Hello and welcome to the Creativity Snippets podcast with Barbara Wilson and myself, Tracy Stanley. We're passionate about encouraging creativity and are co-authors of the book, Creativity Cycling, Help Your Team Solve Complex Problems with Creative Tools. Now, Barbara lives near Nice in the south of France, uh, and I live here in Brisbane, Brisbane, Australia. We started recording our conversations at the beginning of 2020 to provide information and inspiration on implying or applying creativity to all aspects of your life. Now, today's conversation is going to be around habits and how habits influence creativity. Um, can I hand it over to you, Barbara? Tell us a little bit more about habits. Yes, thanks, Tracy, and uh, good morning. Good morning from a <laughs> bit of a wet France this morning. So let's start then considering what our habits are. So habits are behaviours, uh, the behaviours we perform almost, well, unconsciously, um, and that they become automatic. They're not usually something, therefore, that we have to spend any time thinking about. And actually, that forms a great, a really useful purpose for us so that um, we do things you know, like cleaning our teeth regularly. We wake up in the morning. We, we follow a routine that becomes habitual. And it saves us a lot of time thinking in the morning, what are we going to do or what comes next? And that's one of the useful things about, about developing habits. Um, however, we can develop bad habits as well as good habits and bad habits can become destructive. So if you think about habits we have or some people have in, in their personal lives like smoking or drinking, then they can um, become quite, quite destructive and stop people living healthy and fulfilling lives. Habits are reinforced when we're rewarded by the result of the action. So, you know, if we do something, normally um, the process goes that we, we take some action and then th there's a trigger for our action, that we take the action and then there's some kind of reward as a result of that. An example I often use on a, on a daily basis is the way um, when we used to go out to work, I have to say this, um, when people used to go out to work, and I know some people still are, and they come back home at the end of the day feeling a bit stressed after their journey home, they sometimes kind of automatically go to the fridge or the cupboard and look for something, you know, some kind of comfort food or drink. Um, that often results in, you know, a glass of wine or a, a chocolate biscuit or, you know, something like that, that then forms a reward for them. And that's what reinforces the habit. So that reward keeps them locked in, really. Um, now, that's where the habit sort of develops and reinforces as well, because the more that the reward is fulfilling for us, the more it's reinforcing. Now, this applies equally in our working lives as much as our personal lives. And I think I've, I know I've written and probably spoken before uh, endlessly about the habit of responding yes, but to new suggestions. This is just an example of a habitual response we can get into. So somebody says something, um, they offer a, a new way of doing something, they offer a new idea, and some people have an automatic response of saying, Yes, but that won't work because, you know, we've tried it before or, you know, something like that is, is their response. Now, 
got to think about what the reward for that might be. And I think for many people, the reward is that they don't get to have to change. Because um, change is fearful for some people. So I think it's important, therefore, to, to reflect on the kind of habits we've developed, the consequences of these, and then review those that we want to change. Tracy, do you have any habit, any, I was going to say any habits, <laughs> any examples of habits that can be negative? Yeah, well, Barbara, I'm going to pick up on your yes, but statement and think about times when I've been in an organisation, in a team. We know that some people in teams tend to play certain roles and they're habitual roles. For example, you know, you come up with some, a suggestion for doing something differently or a new idea. And they, their first reaction, their, their habit is to look for the negative, or oh, that won't work for this reason, or they take on the role of devil's advocate. And um, it's important to say we're not into being Pollyanna-ish in terms of seeing the best in everything, but it's important to recognize that new ideas and doing things differently are fragile. And in those early stages of um, exploring a different way of doing things, you need to create a safe and playful space. And so if someone is habitually being negative, it will cut that discussion down. It is important to look at any idea, and we've discussed this before, you know, from different perspectives, from what's the factual information, how do I feel about it, what are the great things about it, as well as what are the things that I'm concerned about, which could be the time when you put your devil's advocate hat on. So um, you do see that a bit in organisations and everyone really sort of shrugs or, you know, mentally rolls their eyes when the person gets into playing that habitual role of, of finding what's wrong with any new idea or solution. Yeah, so that would be my, my example, Barbara. Um, I'll pass it back to you. Can you okay. tell us a little bit more about habits and creativity? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Tracy. And um, yeah, that, that, that was a useful um, look at the, the yes, but habit as well. And, and I like the sort of, you know, the, the idea of the devil's advocate role can also be a positive role. However, there are consequences. So our habitual thinking then, or, or our actions, prevent us from trying something new. I mean, I think we both, that's the point we both, we both made there. And as a consequence of that, they have a negative effect on creativity. So they keep us stuck in all ways of, of thinking and doing. And that behavior of, of kind of keeping us stuck there strengthens as we you know, move through that habit and, and um, it becomes a, a, a more embedded habit, if you like. So neuroscience tells us that our neural pathways get stronger the more we do something. You know, but that's really useful when we learn a new skill. Um, however, not, not so helpful when that skill or thought or action has the negative consequences. So what we need to do is to review our behavior and challenge ourselves on that behavior, which has become habitual by bringing it into our conscious mind. So become aware of the behavior, become more mindful of our behavior daily. I mean, it, it, it's a useful exercise sometimes to, to go through the day and just note all the actions we take. It can be a bit tedious, but if we do that and then think about, well, which, which of those actions have become unconscious um, and which of them have been conscious actions that we've taken? You know, and those actions that have become unconscious, have they stopped us doing something in a more creative way? Have they stopped us thinking about something um, in a different way? So becoming more mindful 
and becoming much more aware of what we're doing on a daily basis can really help us to, to rethink our way of life almost and you know to develop that little kind of let that creativity in. Um, I mean, a, a, one example of that, that that I've often used as well when talking to people is the journey to and from work. So again, when we all go to work or when we used to go to work, <laughs> we, get, we get into the habit of going to the work in the same way. Now, sometimes that, that's inevitable because for people that use public transport, there probably or there may only be one way. Uh, but if we're driving, for example, or even if we're walking, um, what about going a different route? What about, um, or if you're even on public transport, what about getting off the, um, the public transport a, a step, a stop beforehand? And again, walking for some of the way that would, all of that would change the routine to such an extent that you become conscious of what you're doing and more aware of your surroundings. And I think that's one of the issues with habits. Um, yeah, so I think that, that, that's what I wanted to say there. Um, Tracy, do you have any insights into behavior in organizations that's become habitual in this kind of way? I think, you know, this is probably building on what you've said previously about but through fear, for example. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking about the previous example about people who have a tendency to criticize things, it could be that that behavior has been stimulated by a culture where risk isn't tolerated. Mm. Um, and, you know, in order to be, we've talked about this before, to be creative, you need to allow a little bit of risk, you know, to do things differently involves the risk of failure. Um, and so if the prevailing culture is that there's really, there's terrible consequences <laughs> for having done something and failed, then people will look to tear down anything new and stick with what is familiar. Um, and they'll be really reluctant to try doing something different and new. Um, so, yeah, so I, I like to point, Barbara, about thinking about your habits and how you behave and thinking yourself, you know, when an, in, what are your habits in a meeting when new ideas come up? Um, what's your, your first reaction? Is it to sort of to see the possibilities or is it to be cautious and to say, let's make sure we're careful so we don't fail? Um, Barbara, any sort of other insights on that or, or on how we can change our habits? Yeah, thanks, Tracy. Um, yeah, I, th I think probably we can move on to have a look at how we can change habits. And this has actually become quite an interesting area. There's, there's been a, a couple of books released um, in, over the last few years that have uh, tried to help people change their habits. And I'm just going to look at one of those as, as an example. And this is um, a book by Charles Duhigg uh, called The Power of Habits. And he talks about this cycle that I referred to earlier, in fact, which he talks about, um, he mentions the, the cycle of cue, routine and reward. So cue is what comes before the habit. So the, the, the cue is, is something that happens in the environment that triggers the habit. Um, the routine is then the habit we get into and the reward is what we get from that habit. So he talks about the need in order to change that habit is to address one of those three points. Change the cue, that, that change that, that thing in the environment that starts the habit. Change the routine or change the reward. So coming back to that example I used um, 
of coming home from work stressed and opening the fridge or the cupboard, changing the cue could mean dealing with the stress in the first place. So you don't come home stressed. So that would change the environment totally. It would change your mood when you walked in the door. Um, you could, so for some people, that, that's a more long-term um, approach. If you can't change the cue, then change the routine. So it could mean having a different behavior when you walk through the door. For example, you might um, set your calendar to, to um, do a routine of yoga when you first walk in through the door or coming through the door, take your coat off clearly, and then get into doing something like half an hour of yoga or meditation. Um, and there are lots of things like apps on phones that can help you do that. That would be um, changing the routine. So you walk through the door and you do something totally different. You don't walk into the kitchen first. Then you can change the reward. So um, I think to some extent this may be a little bit easier to set up, but it could mean just not having those destructive items in the fridge or the cupboard. For example, no chocolate biscuits, or if, if that's one of your rewards, or um, non-alcoholic drinks available to, to um, put your hand on when you open the fridge. So really, one, what you're doing is looking at all parts of that habit and looking at which parts of them you can start to change in order to break that cycle. So that's, that's I think, quite a useful way of looking at how you might change a habit. Tracy, any thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I just want to pick up on what you said earlier about how, um, like, habits could be good habits or bad habits. You know, um, as you, you know, you gave the example of the drink or the chocolate biscuit. Um, habits help us because we don't have to make a decision. We sort of operate on autopilot, which means we do things the way we've always done them, and we don't have to make as many decisions, and we just go about our day. It's it's valuable to try and. So take, take a typical day and say, what are my habits? And try and list all the things you do the same every single day and then make an assessment about are these good habits or are these bad habits? Um, and just the process of listing them will take it from your unconscious to your conscious and then you're actually in a position to be able to do that evaluation. And then once you're doing the evaluation, you can consider that cycle you talked about from starting with cue and routine and through to reward and say, okay, well, here are some habits that I want to stop doing, how can I change it? So just making the unconscious or invisible visible, I think is a first step. Um, I, I, I'm kind of reminded of, um, when I think about habits, I think about a really funny film, I guess it's 20 years ago, um, Jim Carrey called Yes Man. Now his habit had been always to say no to everything, a bit like the example I provided earlier. So he sort of basically had this period where he said yes to everything. And it was curious to see the impact that it had on his life. Now, I know of other people who say yes to too many things, that is their habit, and they sort of don't want to disappoint people, so they never say no. So they actually need to practice the habit of saying no. But I wonder if you were analysing your day and, and, and your day included time in team meetings or interactions with others, what your habits would be with regard to saying yes and to saying no. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 a great uh, a great proposition, really, to to do that. Um, yeah, thank you, Tracy. I think the the other 
person um, we've both been reading about is James Clear, who seems to have become very popular as, um, as a writer on habits. Tracy, would you like to share some of the ideas of, of James Clear? Yeah, sure, sure. He has many, many ideas, and it's a very, very interesting book, Atomic Habits. I guess two that kind of resonate with me is one is recognizing changing your behavior, changing your habits from the unconscious to the conscious will take some time. It'll initially take some time until it becomes a new habit. So make sure you build in time to, to develop that new habit and recognize that. Um, and also changing your environment can have a really big impact. It's sort of, um, it's like um, if you don't want to eat chocolate or drink wine, um, don't have them in your environment rather than having to, to say no each time and make a decision about, no, I'm not going to have a chocolate biscuit or no, I'm not going to have a glass of wine. Um, it could be as simple as, you know, you use the example of yoga, but if you wanted to get fit, um, you could sort of say, well, to make this habit easier, every night before I go to bed, I'm going to put my sneakers and my favourite jogging outfit on my chair so all I have to do is roll out of bed and put them on before I go for a walk or I go to a gym that's a simple example of, of designing your environment to make your chances of successfully adopting a new habit so much easier mm. do, do you have any other examples Barbara to add um I don't think I do at this stage because I think I, yeah we um I'm just rapidly trying to think of another example, but I think, <laughs> I think we've probably sort of covered the topic quite well at this stage. Um, so I, I, I think what I'd like to do here is just maybe sum up what, we, what we've been saying. Uh, I think mm -hmm. to go back and just say that habits can also be good as well as bad. And I think that that's probably an important thing to make, that we can develop good habits. And when we learn new skills, um, we clearly develop those in and they become unconscious in our behavior and those develop into good habits. So I think that that's one point. Not all habits are bad, but we need to become conscious of those habits that are bad. And I think we both made that that point. How we do that then. And they have, a, I think the other thing there is that they have a, a, a huge impact on creativity. When we get into habitual unconscious behavior, sometimes that can inhibit creativity mm -hmm. and so what we need to do is address that really and and um, I think what we've seen here is that both Charles um, Duhigg and uh, James Clear come up with very similar propositions that what we have to look at is you know the environment um, the actual routine of the habit and the reward we get and change one of those in order to, to make sure that our bad habits um, get replaced by good habits. <laughs> so I think yeah. that that would be my summing up there. So Tracy, that's the, the <laughs> end of our discourse on habits. We said um, every week we would also bring up a, um, a topic that has caught our eye really or caught our ear over the last month and there was something that we both mentioned and we both talked about around procrastination. Tracy would you like to just say a, a few words on this? Yeah yeah so, so Barbara and I have conversations all the time and as we said we started recording our conversations last year but one thing we talk about quite a bit is for creativity, understanding when it needs incubation, which is time to soak and to reflect and to 
unconsciously for your mind to work. And when you're procrastinating, and there could be some other reasons around why you're procrastinating, which aren't related to incubation time for your ideas. So Barbara and I have this idea for our next podcast, we're going to have a bit of a debate about the value of procrastination and the value of incubation, how they're different. Um, I think it'll make a really interesting conversation um, in our in our May podcast. Hmm. <laughs> Looking forward to that, Tracy. Thank you. Okay, so so <laughs> I'll close up. Okay, so thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining Barbara and my conversation about habits. Um, if you'd like to learn more about our expertise um, on creativity, you can find Barbara at barbara-wilson.com and myself at tjstanley.com. And of course, you can buy our book, Creativity Cycling, help your team solve complex problems with creative tools on Amazon, Google Play and Book Depository. And wishing you wherever you are in the world, a creative morning or a creative evening. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Yes, take care. Bye-bye.